You are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. I've never really been one to kind of follow suit, if that makes sense. Um, I don't consider myself a leader in this industry by any means, but I do like to try something that other people might not have tried before or may not like to have tried before. Um, I feel like there's two families within the fly tying world. Either you're of the purest descent or if you're, you're of a more radical new age descent, if that makes any sense. Uh, if you're of the purest, you're the guy that's looking through the book using exactly every single material on that list, exactly as they say. I'm not that guy. I'll look at a pattern and be like, huh, that's pretty cool. Let me see what I have. And then you try something out and you're like, eh, I don't like this, I don't like that. And then you make your own and you're like, oh, this will work for my water better than that one would have. And then I think that's a better fly in my opinion. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, featuring interviews with passionate people within the fly fishing industry. We focus on guides, conservation, resort managers, gear, and talented fly tires bringing usable information to fly fishers. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. Theflycrate.com is your source for all things fly fishing. The Fly Crate offers a monthly fly club. We select patterns every month for your home waters. With membership, you'll receive flies created to match the hatch in your area, along with the Fly Crate's guide magazine, the convenience of having flies delivered right to your door, some sweet stickers. Discover new patterns and start stocking your fly boxes now. Theflycrate.com Here's your host, Mark Hopley. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Thanks for dialing us in this time around. We want to welcome to the program Rich Thomas. Now, Rich is out of Howell, New Jersey. He's with Stay Fly Custom Flies, avid fly fisher, great tire. And Rich, thanks for coming on the podcast tonight, man. Really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, man, for sure. Let, let's let's walk down that, that kind of road into how you got into fly fishing. I always like to start the show off and, and figure out your roots and your story. So t- maybe tell us a little bit about how you came to discover fly fishing. Sure. Um, so for me, I feel like fishing is something that, since I can remember, has always been a big part of my life. Uh, but fly fishing came into it definitely later. Uh, up until the point I was probably, I don't know, let's say 14, I was a straight-up spin fishing guy. Mm-hmm. I live within 10 to 15 minutes of probably six different beaches. Um, so I was always down there summertime just throwing stupid little bait fishing with bobbers, like trying to catch the snappers in the bay, just fluking, crabbing, being on the water, loved it. I was never really a big freshwater guy either. Um, so as I guess I got a little bit older, I started to hang out with some guys that are kind of more like-minded, like to fish, like to get on the water, like to be outdoors, that kind of mentality. And one of my best friends, his name was Eric, actually, uh, his older brother was an avid, avid fly fisherman. And we used to go up to like a local pond and he'd bring his fly rod and we'd sit there with our little spin rods and watch him throw it. And then eventually Eric ended up getting one. As soon as Eric got a fly rod, I was like, okay, now I need a fly rod. How am I going to sit here and watch these guys do this? So at that point, I was probably about 14, 15, and it wasn't pretty, but we were up there every weekend just trying to toss these little dinky Walmart flies 
trying to catch a little sunfish, crappie, whatever it might have been. And, like, we couldn't catch a thing. So we're sitting there, sitting there. And then finally he's like, all right, we got to talk to my brother. We can't let him know that we're doing this. And I'm like, all right, cool. We Because we're telling him, like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're getting hits. We're getting hits. Not getting nothing. It's just dredging. We're getting terrible casts. Horrible. So he comes up there one day with us. And we're like, all right, what are we doing wrong? And his name is Michael. So Michael's like, all right, just watch me. He throws two beautiful, beautiful casts right under a little bit of cover. I kid you not, a three-pound bass scooped up his streamer within it touching the water maybe two seconds later. We sat there with our mouths dropped open. Since that day, I was hooked. I wanted that so bad. And since that moment, I've just been chasing it. <laughs> but I've definitely, yeah, I've definitely hit it a few times. Like, definitely come over a three-pound bass expectation. But every time you get that big one, it's like, Oh, I want another one. I want a bigger one. And it's like, I haven't lost that passion for it yet. And so the addiction starts. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's funny. That's a great story. So how did you how did you come to discover fly tying in general? Was that uh, kind of something you evolved to, or was that something you've done from day one? Uh, so like kind of how I mentioned, we started off with, the cheapo Walmart special flies that they have here and there, because to be honest with you, in my area, there's not many people that are fly fishing. So you'll find maybe in some of the bait and tackle shops, like around the shore towns, you might find a few like salt water flies or like, just like some surf candies, like just generic stuff, but never anything that was too involved or like specific to our specific waterways. Um, so as I kind of got more into it and I probably didn't start tying until I was like, I had a set when I was maybe 16 or 17. Um, but not until my twenties, honestly, I'm 24 now, but probably when I turned 20, I was like, all right, I'm seeing all these flies. You can catch maybe one or two fish on them and then they're done. And I'm like, I think I could do that better because like, I was always kind of a little artsy for lack of a better term. So I was like, all right, let me give it a shot. Um, so I ended up trying it out and not to toot my own horn, but I was like, Oh, these actually look pretty good. Um, so I ended up trying them. They worked. And since that point I was like, all right, like, let me just make my own box, fill it up, see how it goes. And then use those. And it ended up working for like a whole summer. And then once my buddies found out about that, I started to have to give them some and then it kind of spread. And that's kind of how it started. And I never really had the aspirations of, starting to sell them it was always kind of like here you need some take this take that um but there was a want for it so i said why not jump on it well we're going to talk about all the good things you're doing with stay fly custom flies but before we do that i want to get to know you a little bit and uh kind of find out what's going on in your neck of the woods you ready for uh, a couple of rapid fire questions sure let's shoot all right man so when you're on your way to the water what what do you like to listen to for music? What kind of tunes are you uh, dialing in? Uh, I am a pretty big classic rock fan, but currently my favorite band is Greta Van Vliet. Van ah. Fleet, excuse me. Uh, highway tune, you ride that on the way over, it's like goals. It, and I have a pond within maybe two minutes throughout my house. Wow. The song is about three and a half minutes long. It's just it's key. I listened to your, uh, I watched your video, your latest video on YouTube, and I, I want to say that was Emerson Drive. It was Country Tune. Uh, was that, 
Am I? Anyway, it was a good song. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. They're a great, great band. They're up and coming. New guys. I like it a lot. One go-to fly pattern you cannot live without. Ooh. I only get to pick one. No. Let's go with uh, Hair's Ear Nymphs. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. Is there a place, Rich, that you like to talk fly fishing in, in New Jersey? Like, is there, is there a coffee shop, a watering hole, like a, uh, a pub or a fly shop that you frequent you like to get your fix? A uh, fly shop? I love tight lines fly fishing New Jersey, but I also have to back up Brielle Bait and Tackle because they I've my brother's worked at that shop for about two years now. Like, I'm really, really, really familiar with the owners. They stock some of my flies, and, like, I can go in there and just BS with them, and it's like talking with, like, an uncle. It's awesome. Um, so it's probably a toss-up between Tight Lines Fly Fishing, New Jersey, yep. and then Brielle Bait and Tackle. Good stuff. So what? Are, let's talk sports. How do you get your fix in sports? Are we, are we talk? I mean, you're in the middle of it all there. Are we talking Giants, Jets, Devils, Rangers, Nets, Yankees, Mets? Uh, I've never been the biggest hockey fan in the world, uh, but I do back the Devils. Uh, they are one of the few New Jersey teams that actually carry the NJ name. Um, but I am a Giants fan, even if I don't really want to talk about it right now. And <laughs> I will watch a game of Yank- the Yankees, but that's about it. I've never uh, been a big guy in the sports. I played growing up, um, but if I'm being honest, fishing kind of took over most of that for me. Yeah, I get it. What's the biggest lesson you've learned through your fly fishing journey so far, if you had to pick one? Nothing ever worth it came easy, for sure. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. When you're not fly fishing, you're doing what? If I'm not fly fishing, I'm either tying flies from my own box, working on an order. Um, me and my girlfriend currently actually... Half, we, we just graduated college not too long ago, um, so we're still both living home. Uh, so our weekends are usually, when it's not coronavirus times, are usually split between each uh, each other's houses. Um, so every other weekend I'm up there, and then every other weekend she's down here. So the majority of my time I can spend, I try to spend with her. Uh, but during the week I'm working a 9 to 5 and then hopefully coming home, either fishing, tying, maybe playing a little Xbox with the boys or whatever it may be, but right. it's mostly a grind, man. What's the, what's the best job you've ever had, or what are you doing for a day job these days? Uh, right now, currently, I'm actually working from home uh, doing logistics for a freight company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're lucky enough, I guess, to still be working in the current uh, space. Uh, we do a lot of domestic, international-type freight movement. Um the best job I've ever had. I've had a lot of jobs. That's a good question. Um, I'll say I worked at a country club, and we basically it was like a giant golf place. And uh, my job was essentially to just clean the carts, take care of the clubs, and basically wait on the members hand and foot. Um, right. But whenever whenever it closed, we were allowed on Tuesdays basically use the course ourselves, so either golf or fish. Um, so I took the ladder and went fishing often and caught some decent bass on that course, so that was pretty cool. You know, it's amazing how much decent fishing there is on golf courses, especially when you're talking largemouth bass. Oh, you have no idea, man. Yeah. 
so they actually just put a total quarantine, as in you're not allowed to access any of our state parks, forests, or anything state-owned, essentially. Um, so that's been me and my uh, brother's target as of recent. recently. We're looking for the golf, car, the golf course places that no one really knows about, but like- hopefully this doesn't get posted for a little while so I don't get burned. <laughs> you know what I always think of? All that nitrogen, right? That nitrogen's going in the water, so there's got to be some feed. And I, I don't know. I'm just. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's you're talking with rich soil, so usually the uh, the water, you know, the pH is maybe a little higher, and there's some uh, mm-hmm. there's some serious feed in some of those those, and they don't get a lot of pressure, right? That's the biggest thing. It's like you could throw probably a bare hook in some of these ponds and pull something out. If you could fish right out of a golf cart too, there's nothing better than that. Oh, that's the best. You get to put your as soon as you're waiting for the other guy to putt, just drop one in and wait for him. I love it. So I'm curious, Rich, who's been who would you cite as an influence in your fly fishing? Is there anybody that's kind of you've learned from a lot? Is it your good friend that you referred to earlier, or maybe there's there's somebody else online? Or uh, throw it out there. Who'd you learn from? The I can't even. That is like the one thing I will comment on the most about the fly fishing slash fly tying world everyone is so willing to just share their knowledge and like that is the that was kind of the reason as to why i started the state fly page in the first place um because i was relatively new to like seriously getting into tying there was a lot of people who i could tell just based on their photography skills and their actual fly patterns on their pages that knew things that i obviously weren't getting so I took it upon myself just to start reaching out to the people that where I was like, wow, that's an awesome pattern. And I came to realize that they're just as willing to talk to me as I wanted to talk to them. Um, so, I mean, off the top of my head, I could like Michelle Jackson, Val Kropanowski, like these guys were, I, I can't thank them enough. If I'm being totally honest with you. They're just legends in my mind, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah, you know, and that's that's something that I I totally agree with. Like everybody's willing to share information. I I've, there's not a lot of industries like that where you can just call somebody up, or you can text them, or you can message them on Instagram or whatever, and say, hey man, that's a really cool, or hey, that's a really cool pattern you're tying. Tell me more. And and usually, people are pretty happy to talk about it. I I, I couldn't agree more with you. It's 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 a beautiful thing. And like, that was something when I first got into it that I had not expected whatsoever coming off of like a spin fishing type mentality. Like in that world, I feel like you get on the water, you stay in your spot. You don't look at the guy next to you. You don't ask him what he's using. It's like disgraced. But like now that I'm fly fishing and like I'm on the river, like I can't tell you how many guys that I've just like shot the crap with like standing next to him like oh what are you throwing like yeah i'm not catching crap either what are you using it's like it's just a different different mentality it's very cool yeah well let's talk about stay fly custom flies so um your instagram handle is uh, stay fly underscore nj as in new jersey um talk to us about your business and kind of you know are, are is everything you do custom are, are these regular patterns like uh, tell dial us in on your business, Rich? Um, so what it started out as, if I'm being totally honest with you, was I was tying up flies that I used that I knew could catch fish, and I didn't really 
feel like taking the time to see if it was a real one. So I said, here's what I have. If you want it, this is the price. And I kind of left it at that. And then as I kind of matured a little bit in my own mind, in my own business model, I was like, all right, I don't think that's probably the best way to approach this type uh, scenario here. Um, so I took a step back and I started to like kind of examine what I could actually offer. Um, and then after speaking with those people that we kind of mentioned before and like how I can kind of refine my craft to make the best use of my time and that, and that if I could leave one piece of advice for anyone is that is the first thing if you are interested in getting into this business is you need to be able to maximize your time and still profit on your time because it's not one thing that you're going to be able to put a firm dollar sign to. Um, but you need to know what your skill is worth. And that was the hardest thing for me starting out. Obviously, starting out, you don't really have the best scale as to what caliber you're working at. Um, so after talking to people and figuring out what is actually expected and actually how strong a fly should last, or I'm sorry, how long a fly should last and how strong it should be, you kind of get a better idea. And then based on that, you make changes to your flies and then you kind of adjust what you're doing. So with that being said, I put all of that into thought and I said to myself, all right, I'm going to put these flies out here. I know they work and I know how much time I put into them. So then after that, I said, okay, I'll take custom orders as well. Um, and then people started messaging me a lot more that way. I felt because everyone wants a specific pattern that'll fit their specific waterway. And that was kind of what I was working off of. Um, so let's say you live in an area near me, I know exactly what I'm going to do for that area. But if I'm a guy out in California, who's to say that my flies are going to work the same for something out there? So I figured, okay, let's keep it custom. Um, and then since then, I've kind of left it up to what it is. Uh, so if you're interested in a custom order, I will definitely hear you out. If it's something I think I can facilitate, then sure, let's go for it. Um, if it's hmm. something that I'm like, oh, that might take a little working with, I might go to my desk, whip out two or three, figure out if it's even worth to give the guy or girl, whoever asked for it a price. And then I'm like, if it's not worth it, I'll be like, listen, I'm still working on these. I have some BS ones that I'll give to you. And a lot of times people respect that. And then you get that custom order back again the next time, because you've been able to refine it and you still have that customer there feeling like they didn't get chipped off. If that makes sense. So tell me how the custom order thing works. Like, does somebody just shoot you a photo and say, this is what I want? Or do they shoot you an idea saying, hey, I want a hair's ear, but I want a, you know, a, a, a chartreuse rib and a, and a, a hot collar? I mean, what does that look like? Uh, I've gotten all of the above, to be honest with you. Uh, the most, the thing I get most often is someone's, it's usually, like the picture usually looks like this. It's a pair of boots in either a river or right on a riverbank. And they're taking a picture of a bug on the ground and they try and get mm. super close. It's usually kind of blurry and you're looking at it and he's like, I need these. I saw the fish eating these today. I need them. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'll try, man. And like you do as best you can, you get it close. And like usually you're able to land somewhere close to what it may look like. And you're pretty much able to satisfy the customer as well. The only problem with that is, and I always tell my customers this too, is like, listen, these are custom flies. I made them with, and I usually tell every, I tell every single custom order that I send out what exactly is in them, and I kind of give them an idea of how I think they're going to fish. And I also say, listen, being that this is custom, I haven't fished them myself. I don't know how they're going to respond in your waterways. So it's always a risk with a custom order. I will give you that. Um, but at the same mm. time, you might find something brand new that no other guy in the river is going to have, 
and they might be having a terrible day, but if you're matching that stupid little worm-looking thing on the ground, you're the guy that's going to be pulling them in. Um, and I think people appreciate that. Tell, to tell us a little bit about the learning curve with the entomology, it's probably been a pretty steep one, I would imagine. I, I mean, I'm still learning every day. And again, to be honest with you, uh, Instagram is a great out for, outlet for that as well. Um, there's people on there that all they do is take pictures of bugs and little petri dishes in their natural environment, quote unquote. And it's awesome. And like you could sit there, stare at it all day, and I'm sure people do. And all you need to do is just take a little screenshot of that bug and then do your best to try and match it. And I guarantee you some trout somewhere is going to snatch that thing up. I always think the best tires are ones that don't imitate other flies, but look at the original and put your spin on it. I've never really been one to kind of follow suit, if that makes sense. Um, I don't consider myself a leader in this industry by any means. But I do like to try something that other people might not have tried before or may not like to have tried before. Um, I feel like there's two families within the flat tying world. Either you're of the purest descent or if you're, you're of a more radical new age descent, if that makes any sense. Uh, if you're of the purest, you're mm-hmm. the guy that's looking through the book using exactly every single material on that list exactly as they say. I'm not that guy. I'll look at a pattern and be like, huh, that's pretty cool. Let me see what I have. And then you try something out and you're like, eh, I don't like this. I don't like that. And then you make your own and you're like, oh, this will work for my water better than that one would have. And then I think that's a better fly in my opinion. How do you feel about realistic versus suggestive patterns? Hmm. It, um, I'm a believer in both. I think it's dependent on the fly and I think it's dependent on the person who tied it. Um, there's a lot of quote-unquote realistic flies that I think you're better off using a piece of power bait. Um, and there's a lot of flies. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of flies that I think uh, that are pretty much that more modified approach. Uh, I, I don't think they like right either. It, it, it's all dependent. You just, it's like one of those things. Like I would never use a game changer fly and say it's a realistic type fly and try and match it. Like that, that type differential is just not there for me but then at the same time i have no problem throwing a wally worm on the water like people give you crap for it but you're gonna catch a fish and they're not gonna if they don't have it so it's like yeah so absolutely sometimes those flies just look buggy yeah i mean you gotta that's the whole point if you believe in match the hatch like that that is what your goal is i don't i don't know where the stigma came that a worm isn't allowed yeah, no, hundred percent. Well, I'll think of a San Juan worm or yeah, exactly. any any good pattern, and and once I think too, once you get, and this is just my belief, I could be out in left field, but when you get into real clear water and you get into real fussy fish, sometimes slightly more realistic can be a good thing. I would agree with that. You know, yeah, hundred percent. I would agree with that. You know, and you're dealing with murky water. I, I, I find, and this is just from what I've noticed and I've been doing this a while, but for, for waters that are heavily pressured, sometimes something that's slightly different, and this is where I think um, custom flies are, are, are a great window to catching more fish, you're showing them something they haven't quite seen before. Like exactly. they've probably seen a few hair, hair's ears float by, but maybe not one with a, you know, a pink collar and a, a blue tail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't agree more with you. And the one thing I've, kind of always done is like for example right now in my area there we always have a huge spawn of these little black caddis like 
they'll tell you to tie it between like a 16 to an 18. I always go a little bit bigger because put yourself in the mindset of a fish. If you have to expend the energy to get a size 16 or an 18, you're expending the same energy to get something that's maybe a little bigger. So in my opinion, that trout would always go for the bigger fly. But nine times out of 10, I guarantee you, if you're going to the shop, they're only having the 16s, the 18s or whatever it may be. So it's like, in my mind, it's like, if you have, okay, the standard set size, and then you get a couple custom bigger ones, all right, maybe if everyone else is throwing the same fly and they're not getting anything, and then you have a bigger one, why wouldn't that fish want to eat yours over the smaller one? So that's kind of my opinion on something like that. But it's all up to the fisher too. Like people are die die hard set on what they do, and then others are up to try some new things. So it's up to them. Let's talk about your tying setup. What kind of vice do you like to tie on? What kind of threads are you using? Is there any tips or uh, tricks as far as tools? Um, Let us know what your setup's like. Uh, So my first vice ever was like one of those junky $10 show vices, and that was just like me trying to see if I could even do it. Um, Then I graduated up to a wolf vice, which I think was an apex if I'm not. Yeah, an apex wolf. And then now I'm actually tying on a Renzetti that was gifted to me. Um, I have actually, as I mentioned, uh, one of the people that are a avid member, like avid frequenter of a real bait and tackle. Uh, he's an older gentleman in his late eighties now, actually. And he grew up like fly tying, fly fishing, like hard, hardcore in the industry. And he's just been giving me all his stuff because none of his kids are interested whatsoever. Um, so most recently, actually, he gave me this vice, and I I couldn't be more thankful because I've never tied on a better vice. I love Renzetti now. I don't think I'll ever get another one. Yeah, I got a Renzetti uh, Traveler, and I <laughs> I just love it. It's uh, and That's exactly you know what, what you tie. Yeah, man, it's a great vice. You can tie everything from the biggest flies to the smallest flies. Uh, it's got the rotary. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Do you use the? Are you a rotary guy? Do you use I the am. rotary function a lot? I do. Um, yeah. I never used to, to be honest, but now that I'm on this, it's like so smooth. I, I, I can't get away from it. Yeah. No, it's a game changer. What about thread? Is there any go-to thread you like to use? Any brands, any, any, uh, any tricks or tips on, on thread choice? More often than not, um, if I'm using, if I'm tying smaller flies, like trout flies, maybe panfish flies, stuff like that, I use a uni thread most often. Um, if I'm tying saltwater flies, I usually gravitate towards Vivas. Okay. Uh, I just, I just feel like uni thread is strong enough for a smaller trout fly. If you add a pinch of, uh, epoxy resin on it, I'm a big UV guy. I like sealing all my stuff off with UV. It just firms it up for me. Um, but I just think Vivas is like tying with steel. That stuff is so strong. And, like, when you're throwing flies for bluefish, uh, stripers, whatever else, like, they're ripping your flies to shreds, and you don't want the thread to be the stuff that ends up uh, killing the fly for you. What's your what's your go-to UV? Uh, I am a big solar fan. Uh, fan. Yeah. There's a lot of them out there. <laughs> There's, you're not alone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I met uh, Mr. Clowen a couple times. He's an awesome guy. He's been very good to me. I, I have a lot of love for their company. That's awesome. So I, I want to get a little philosophical on you for a second. Uh, we'll just uh, leave the time bench. <laughs> so if you could change something about 
fly fishing or fly tying. Is there anything you'd like to see us do differently? I feel like if I could change one thing about the industry in general is kind of the stigma about it, if that makes sense. Uh, One of the first things that I was told about fly fishing is it's an old guy sport. Like I was always classified it the same as golf. And I apologize to anyone who's a fan. Um, but I was always thought that, okay, you're just kind of whipping a pole back and forth and hoping something grabs it. Uh, so I always thought it was an old man type sport. The guy that like just kind of goes out there and his waders can't really get, he can't even have the time to go to a bank and find his own spot, like the whole nine yards. Um, so I kind of would like to see a younger population come into the world. Uh, I feel like if anything I could bring to it is that's the one thing I've been trying, like, I'm the biggest nag to my friends. He's like, come on, just get a fly rod. You can go fishing. Why don't you just try this? Try this. And it's like, I'm going to get one of them eventually. You know what I mean? So like, I just want that <laughs> young, I want that younger group in there because I think it'll, they'll bring the new radical ideas because like I said, a lot of the people in the industry are purist thoughts. Um, I feel like the newer people in the world are kind of more of that radical thought. So I think there's new and exciting things coming. Uh, and I think the quicker we get younger people in here, the quicker we're going to see a big change. You know, that, that's really well said. I, I totally agree with you. And I, I think that's happening. I, I do. Oh, I agree I th- too. Yeah. I'm like 50, 50, almost 51 years old. So it's like I, I've been doing this since I can remember. And uh, it's changed. It really has. And I, I think it's good because it, it's more inclusive than it ever used to be. Um, and it comes up on the show a lot. And I don't want to keep going over the same water again and again but sure, I, sure. I, I, I no i just saying from my point of view I, it, I do think it is changing and guys like yourself are, are changing it so so kudos to you i appreciate I'm curious, that thank you yeah i'm curious about um i always like to ask my guests to paint a picture so kind of think about your perfect day rich on the water wherever that may be in new jersey or, or wherever any water you've been to Kind of paint us a picture. Tell us what that looks like. When does it start in the morning? What kind of flies are you throwing? What kind of fish are you chasing? What kind of water are you fishing? Um, so my perfect day, if I had to pick one, I'd, it'd probably be right at the beginning of the striper migration when they're coming through my area. Get up probably around, depending on the tide, between 3 to 6 a.m., depending once that high tide rolls in. You want to be in the back bays when you get a nice, calm, kind of flat water out there. And by the time high tide rolls, it's nice and smooth. So you got like maybe a four-hour window in that morning. So you want to give yourself maybe 25 minutes, hit the local bagel shop, grab yourself a nice pork roll. And I say pork roll on purpose because it is pork roll and not Taylor ham for all my New Jersey people out there. They know what I'm talking about. But it's a (laughs) pork roll, egg and cheese, uh, plain bagel. Got that in the car. Usually my brother will come with me. He's a big fly. He's a big fisherman as well. He does not fly fish, but we're going to change that. Um, but he comes with me all the time. Uh, we get there mad early. Probably get to the bait shop since he does work there. They let us get bait there early, so he uses all that. So we go over there, restock if we need to with some flies and stuff. Hit the water probably around 4.30 to 6 in that range, as I said, with the tide. And then when you get there, I'm just looking for some nice sun in the sky, some beautiful, beautiful breeze coming off, maybe a nice, like, 75, 80 degrees. I'm just casting, looking for rising stripers. It would be beautiful. I love it. Jeez, that's pretty good. 
<laughs> you, yeah, man. You, I think about you, it a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking you put some thought into that. I could oh taste that sandwich. <laughs> yeah, dude. And for like, I don't know if you are aware, but there's like this giant debate in New Jersey that it's either called Taylor ham or pork roll. Uh, and people will fight to the death over it. So I got to get my two cents in there. <laughs> That's too funny. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, let's throw all your social media out there, Rich, so uh, they can look up your patterns and whatnot. How how do we uh, take a look at what you've been up to? Uh, to be honest with you, I am strictly operating on uh, Instagram right now, and then otherwise I take orders from friends only. So if you want to find me, you have to go on Instagram, at stayfly underscore NJ, and that is me. And all you need to do is shoot me a DM, let me know what you're looking for, if it is a custom order. Or if you want to just scroll through my page and you find something on there you like, let me know. I have no problem looking it up for you. That's awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much for for uh, sharing some time with us, sharing some water with us. And I I gotta uh, give a big shout out to Fishing with Brandon for for hooking us up. Appreciate it, Brandon. Absolutely. I know he's, Thank you. He, He's a big fan of your patterns and, and, uh, keep up the good work, man. And, uh, I love your, I love your positive attitude. It's infectious. Have a great night. I appreciate that. Thanks again. Keep rocking. I love what you're doing too. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines, and we'll see you on the water.